So we are in this series entitled uh, Not Alone. This is week number two. And in this series we're talking about the spiritual discipline, the spiritual practice of friendship. How do we navigate friendships? Uh, Today I've entitled this message Navigating Friendships. Uh, Just like last year, you know, you were never required to take a course in high school that was called Pandemic Living. There was no college class, Pandemics 201 or 235. There was no, there was none of that, right? We all had to kind of learn as we went along and, and, and kind of move and go with what we were hearing and observing and noting in life. And I've heard many people say when it comes to friendships and how we navigate them, how we uh, go through life with them, uh, they don't teach you this in class. There's no class in school that you take that's called how to be friends, right? There's no... Um, college course that you will have in that. There's no side, you know, class that talks about friendship. But there is a place where we could go for wisdom when it comes to friendship, and that's the Bible. That's the Word of God. And as a matter of fact, the book of Proverbs, if we could put that picture up there, uh, gives us the wisdom for life. Discernment. And it's through the Proverbs, this book of sayings, that really lead us to a place where we become more godlike where our thoughts become more like God's, where our ideas and our expressions and even our friendships become more like God. And friendship is a big topic that's covered in the book of Proverbs. And friendship, again, going with the big idea of this entire series, the big idea is the same as it was last week, and it's this, that we are created in the image of God. Each person here, created, knit together, in the image of God. And since God is a relational being, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, since He Himself is relational, so are we. And because we are relational beings, we are built with that deep need. Deep need. Not a superficial, "Eh, I'll take it if I could get it. No, there's a deep longing in our soul to be part of community. To be a part of a place where we know we belong. So I need to give you a warning today. The book of Proverbs is super practical. And today's message is going to be super practical. But I need to give you the warning because the book of Proverbs, its sayings really make you think about who you are. They make you take a deep look, a deep dive into your soul, into who you are. They cause you to reflect. And the way they're written, they're written with such precision They're written in a way that a a surgeon would use a scalpel to cut to the center of your soul. And what these Proverbs are meant to do is they're meant to expose you. They're meant to rip you open. That's why i got to give you the warning. You see, the Proverbs get beyond the simple skin surface with its vain superficiality that says, I'm good. That says, hey, as long as on the outside I look like I have it together, my inside could be a hot, buttery mess. As long as I portray to people that it seems like I got it together, I'm good. The Proverbs come in and they destroy that way of thinking. And they say, brother, they say, sister, it's what you have on the inside that manifests on the outside. Your vain, superficial, surface level uh, uh, superficiality is not fooling anyone. It's from the inside. 
is what flows to the outside. So the Proverbs are deep. They're not just these motivational sayings that we reduce to posts on social media or things we put on bumper stickers or posters we hang up in our prayer rooms. The, 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 the verses of Proverbs get into the griminess, into the grease, and into the grind of your life. They get under your fingernails. Because it causes you to look at yourself and answer the question, who am I? What do I do? How do I live? And some of these sayings, they hit you hard. If you allow them. They're almost like the things that maybe your parents would tell you that were a little crass, a little tough, right? I've raised teenagers, and I've had to have conversations with several of them and say, hey, did you shower? Did you put that deodorant on? Did you brush your teeth? These things, when they hear that, they, they, they cringe. And if you've ever been on the receiving end of those, you cringe too. But it gets to you. And it's not deep things. I mean, they are in a lot of ways deeper than we think, than we allow them to. But, 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 but just like a parent who questions you, hey, have you done this today? Because I see this in you. The Proverbs speak to your heart and they speak to your life and they speak to your daily grind of life. And they say, hey, are you doing this right? Are you being godly? Because the Proverbs are meant to point us towards God. So i got to give you a warning today that these Proverbs are going to hit you in the face. They might make your eyes water a little bit. And they might make you question, hey, am I, am I doing what I need to do? So my challenge to you is let these Proverbs sit inside of you today. Let them expose you. Let them change you as you seek to become more like Jesus, even in your friendships, even in the way you deal with your relationships. So here we go. Are you guys ready? Here's wisdom from the book of Proverbs. These things that are just going to blast you in the face. The first one, when we think about navigating friendships, how do we go through life thinking about our friendships? What is wisdom for friendships? Here's the first one, and it's this. Be wise with who you build deep relationships with. Something simple. Be wise who you build friendships with. Ex-general, well, he, I guess he's still a general, but the ex-secretary of state, Colin Powell, he said this, he said, a mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by the kinds of friends that he chooses. Can we put that picture up, please? A mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. You know, you could tell a lot by a person by who their friends are, right? Now, the book of Proverbs asks this continuously. It wants to know, who are you hanging with? Who are you hanging with? Most of the Proverbs that I'm going to be going through today are from the message translation. Those that are not marked message translation are from the New Living Translation. But I want us to look at Proverbs. We're going to be going through quite a few Proverbs today. So you can follow along on either screen here at home. 
Um, we'll have them for you. But Proverbs 13.20 says this, Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. I love that. It, it doesn't get any more simple than that. You want to become wise? Walk with wise people. You want to hang out with fools? Be prepared for your life to fall to pieces. This year, we've heard a lot about how um, coronavirus and many other you know, sicknesses, they're, they're called the contagion, right? And they're contagious. They spread one to another. Um, in the early days of coronavirus, we were very worried about washing our hands like crazy and sanitizing our hands because we know that some uh, germs, they transmit through physical contact, right? I mean, that's, that's just accepted science. I have a picture here of, of a hand with germs, and we know if one hand that has germs touches another hand, those germs are going to transfer over, and now this person also has the same germs as this person because it's a contagion. It's contagious. And what the book of Proverbs is saying here is your friend's character is also contagious, Character is contagious. The character that one person has transfers just as easily to you as germs do. So my question to you is, what are your friends spreading? I want you to think about three or four people that you could think of right now. They could be friends, they could be family. Um, The people that you spend the most time with, I want you to think about them visually, mentally picture them, right? And ask yourself this question, what are they spreading to you? What do you receive from them? What's on their hands? What's on their hearts? What's on their minds? What's on their lips? Because the book of Proverbs says you want to be wise? Walk with people who are going to spread you some wisdom. You want to act with fools? People who are foolishness? Hey, that's going to rub off on you, and you're going to get that. What are you catching from your friends? Are you catching foolishness? Are you catching stupidity? Or are you catching wisdom? Holiness, godliness. And for some, this might be something new. Because in your mind, you just think, wow, this person, they're just so much fun to be around with. You don't know, they're so much fun. And trust me, I believe you. But what are they spreading? And more importantly, what are you catching from them? Think of those three or four people right now in your mind. What are they spreading? And what are you catching from them? Because character is contagious. Godly living is contagious. This is a theme that's repeated over and over again in Scripture. In Proverbs 22, 24, and 25, it says, Don't hang out with angry people. Don't keep company with hotheads. Look at this. Bad temper is what? Contagious. Don't get infected. Proverbs 28, 7. Practice God's law and get a reputation for wisdom. But hang out with the loose crowd, you'll embarrass your family. Proverbs 14, 7. Escape quickly from the company of fools. They're a waste of your time and a waste of your words. Wow. Escape quickly. <laughs> How many know it's hard to escape sometimes? And what is Proverbs saying? It's saying that the angry person, the hothead, that is contagious character. 
the loose crowd where there's no limits, there's no restraints, there's no kind of boundaries, there's no kind of uh, uh, you know, barriers in life which they live by, what's that going to lead? That's going to lead to embarrassment to you and embarrassment to your family. What else is it saying? That's contagious, right? What else is contagious here? The company of fools, foolishness is contagious. All of these Proverbs back up what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15.33 when he says, don't be fooled. Do not be fooled. Because bad company will corrupt good character. It's contagious. What are your friends spreading to you? And what are you catching from them? Do the people that you allow into the deepest areas of your life, do they influence you with wisdom? Do they influence you with godliness? Do they influence you in righteousness and justice and loving kindness and walking humbly before your God, right? And doing and loving and walking. Are they influencing you like that? Or are they leading you towards anger? Are they leading you towards foolishness? Are they leading you to, those, to these contagious character traits that lead you to destruction? Now let me clarify at this point. I'm not saying, let me tell you what I'm not saying. Because some of you might be saying, man, some of my friends that uh, I hang with are not leading me towards godliness. And let me clarify what I'm not saying. What I'm not saying is you cut people completely out of your life and you stop loving people maybe that don't love Jesus or don't know Jesus. Jesus went to the people that needed him the most. And what I'm not saying is that you live a life of isolation and you never engage with non-Christians or non-believers. No, those are some of the people that you need to engage with the most. But the people that you develop close relationships with, those that you open up your heart to, you need to be wise. Because their character is contagious. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all things, because it determines the course of your life. And as a believer of Jesus, as a person who's living for Him, Part of guarding your heart is being responsible with who you're forming relationships with. It's having wisdom. So if you're a young person here, high school, middle school, how do you guard your heart? You watch and you ask, who's influencing me? Who's helping me shape my values? Who's helping me determine what's meaningful in my life? Who's helping me identify in who I am and what I stand for? And ask yourself, what are you catching from those people? To the young adults, singles, this is especially true with dating. Who are you dating? What is the person that you're pursuing or who's pursuing you? What are they spreading to you? What are you catching from them? Because they're helping you shape your worldview. They're helping you shape how you see life and how you see your future. For those of us who are older, how are your friends helping you avoid becoming a cynical person? Because the older you get, the easier it becomes to become cynical. To get hard-hearted. To say, I've been there. I've done that. I know it. To be a little, can I dare say, stubborn. What are you catching from your friends? What are they spreading? And this is why the role of the church is so important because as a people of God, we need to be proactive 
And I mean proactive. We need to be out there pursuing healthy friendships that are giving us wisdom, that are leading us in the ways of living for God and encouraging godliness in our life. We need to be proactive in that at all levels, in our youth, in our young adults, in our older people, in our married people, in our single people. We need to be proactive in pursuing those relationships that are going to bring wisdom, growth, vitality into our life. And the church should serve as the biosphere, as the cultivator of these friendships, as the place where they come and they're cultivated and they're grown and they're spread. And if we're not doing that, we're missing the point. So the first point of wisdom from the book of Proverbs is to be wise. Be wise with who you form relationships with. Because character is contagious. Here's the second point of wisdom here. Avoid foolishness. Avoid foolishness. Beware of the minds which destroy friendships. Beware of the minds. In Israel, when Israel became a nation in 1948, um, it was surrounded by enemies, by people who felt that Israel should have never become a nation. In many of these countries, they they were publicly... um, saying that their goal was to wipe Israel off the map. And if you look geographically, Israel is a rather small country surrounded by bigger countries. Um, and, and it's really by a miracle of God's grace alone that Israel exists even to this day. I mean, there's been several wars since 1948, and there's been lots and lots of conflict that's happened there in the area, still happens in this area. But what, what Israel did in the early days... Um, of their existence in the 1950s and even into the 60s, is that they laid mines, literally millions of mines, um, in a very tight geographical area. These are the mines that I'm talking about. They're, they're bombs that are hidden underneath the ground so that when you step on them, um, they will at minimum maim you and very easily kill you. And there were millions of these mines that were set as a form of protection um, and as relationships kind of, you know, got less tense, Israel tried to go back and take the mines out of the minefields. But when you lay that many mines, you're going to miss some. And now they don't know where they're at. We, we, we're not sure where they are. So if you go to Israel, one thing that you'll see is signs like this. And they let you know, and the, these places are usually cut off, but they're going to let you know, hey, don't enter in here. Don't go there. Because we just want to let you know that there may be a mine somewhere in this space. So it's a big warning sign. Big bright colors, big letters, English, Hebrew, even Arabic there. So that the people, no matter where you're from, you could read it, you understand it. And it's a warning and it's saying, don't go here. And what the book of Proverbs does is it gives you a warning just like this. And it says, in friendships... Avoid these foolishness minds that destroy friendships. Be careful. Don't go there. What are some of these minds? The first mind that the book of Proverbs mentions again and again, the first warning that we get from the book of Proverbs of the minds that destroy relationships is gossip. The book of Proverbs is clear. Don't gossip. Proverbs 16, 28, it says, Troublemakers start fights. Gossips, when he says gossips there, that's a noun, that's a person. 
they break up friendships. Now, I've known people in my life that they've taken gossip and they've elevated it to an art form. I mean, they have it down to a science. I mean, it's on another level. I mean, you know there's a thing that exists called master classes, right? You could go online and you want to bake a cake, you want to fix the brakes in your car, you want to you know, plant some new grass, you want to do the plumbing underneath the sink. You could take a master class in that and you'll learn from experts usually in about 10 minutes. They'll, they'll show you step by step, I mean, intricacy by intricacy, how to solve these pretty complex things that you want to do. I believe there are people that they could give a master class in gossip. And within minutes, they'll show you step by step the intricacies and the art forms of gossip. And what is gossip? Listen, let me put gossip in very simple terms. Gossip is negative talk about people when they're not present. And many people want to, you know, color it beautifully and say, well, it's the truth. I'm just speaking the truth. Well, you're speaking gossip. Listen, if the person is not in your presence if you, and, and people are speaking negatively about them, either you're the one speaking it or you're the one receiving it, and I'll say a little bit more about that in a second, you should never let that happen. And if someone has something negative to say about another person, as a believer in Christ who wants to have God-honoring friendships, it's your job to say, listen, let's go talk to that person. Let's go bring it up to them directly. Because many people, you participate in gossip. You're not the activator, you're the receptacle. And just like there's a couple of trash bins back there, I, when I have trash, go to those receptacles because I know it's going to open itself up to me and it's going to receive whatever I put in there. From the most gross, the most stinky, the most vile piece of trash, I'm going to go to that receptacle. Why? Because I know it's going to receive it. It's not going to reject me. That receptacle is not going to say, no, 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 oh, that's, that's nasty. It's going to take it in. And listen, if you're a person who says, well, I, I don't gossip, people just tell me. Let me show you what you've become. I have a picture of it. This is what you've become. You've become a place that receives garbage. It's not that you're super confident with secrets. It's not that they really confide in you. It's because they know you're going to receive the most vile, the most nasty, the most stinky, the most gross of comments about people. They know you're going to receive it. So you have become a garbage dump for people and their gossip. And that kills relationships. That kills kills friendship. So avoid the mine of gossip. Don't become someone's garbage dump. The second warning that we get from the book of Proverbs is to remove bitterness. Remove it. Remove bitterness. Look at what Proverbs 17.9 says. It says, overlook an offense and you'll bond a friendship. When you could overlook an offense, you will bond, knit together a friendship. But if you fasten to the slight, meaning an offense, if you just fasten yourself to it, if you obsess yourself over how someone's hurt you, well then, goodbye, friend. I told you, some of these are going to hit you right in the face. Listen, 
Friendship is a blessing. It's God's design for us. Remember last week, the foundation of friendship is when God looked at Adam in the garden and said what? It's not good for man to be alone, right? And when he said man, he wasn't saying male, female. He was saying people. It's not good for mankind, for people to be alone. That's the foundation of friendship. Friendship is a blessing. And let me be clear with this. With every blessing that you have in your life, it comes with a burden. And one of the burdens of the blessing of friendship is hurt. Because hurt is inevitable in friendship. Friends are going to hurt you. You can't avoid it. Because they're human. They're imperfect. They're not God. Your friends are going to let you down. Even your closest, dearest friends, you could probably, those three or four people that you're picturing right now, you could probably think of a time when in some way, in some form, some maybe more than others, but in some way, in some shape, in some form, they've all let you down. They've all hurt you. You've been offended by each and every one of them. And next week we'll talk more about conflict and how we handle conflict. But conflict is inevitable. It's the burden that comes with the blessing of friendship. And bitterness that sits in you is is always caused by, by steps. It's never passive. Bitterness is an active process. And I've described this before, but I call it, I like to call it, curse it, nurse it, rehearse it. That's how bitterness grows because someone upsets you, someone offends you. And like the proverb says, if you could overlook that, you're going to bond that friendship together. But if you fasten yourself on it, if you strap yourself in, right, and you begin to curse that hurt, and you let that anger seethe inside of you, right, and you just constantly nurse it, you never talk about it, you never have a conversation with the person, you never have a, a, a direct, you know, a one-on-one with them, you never bring it up, you never address it, you hide it, so you're just nursing it, nursing it, nursing it. What that's going to cause you to do is just rehearse it over and over again, and the wound is going to keep coming back and growing deeper and deeper and deeper inside of you. So now it's no longer anger, it's no longer offense, it's bitterness. It's a root. That's what the writer of Hebrews says that, that this happens when we lack grace from one another. In Hebrews 12 it says, See that no one falls from grace so that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up and troubles you and then defiles many. Because how many of you know that when you're bitter, it doesn't take much to get you to blow up? And when that blow-up happens, it's usually not only affecting that person, but everyone else that's around. The collateral damage, we'll call it. And the warning from Proverbs is, look, remove bitterness because it's the poison to love. It's love's poison. When we curse, we nurse, and we rehearse. And it leads to goodbye friend. The third warning here, the third mine, the third landmine of, of, of friendship is uh, don't delay care. Don't delay care. Proverbs three twenty eight twenty nine says, don't tell your neighbor, in this case neighbor meaning your friend, don't tell them, yeah, maybe some other time, or, or, or try me tomorrow when the money's right there in your pocket. Now this is talking about financial assistance. But we could easily interject here 
relational equity. So that means if someone's crying out to you, man, I'm struggling, I'm hurting, can, can, I, can I call you? Can I talk to you? Can I share my heart with you? you? You should never delay care for a friend and say, you know what, try me tomorrow, I'm watching Netflix. Or, or later on, when you have the relational equity in your pocket, let me tell you something, relational equity is not like money. Okay, money will come, money will go, and, and, and we'll, you know, sometimes spend stupidly our money, and, and money is hard to come by, and, and money oftentimes, you know, it, it depends on your source of income, and you're kind of limited with money. When it comes to relational equity, you're unlimited. Only one person can take your relational equity away from you. Only one person can limit the amount of relational equity that you're willing to give, and that's yourself. So don't delay care. If someone reaches out to you and if someone is struggling, if someone is hurting, listen, procrastination will damage relationships. So don't delay care. Don't say, try me some other time. Try me tomorrow. When you have what the person needs right here, you would hate to think that someone starved to death when you had bread in your pocket to give to them when they needed it the most. That's what kills friendships. It's a mine. Here's the last one. Sorry, I thought that was the last one, but there's one more. Don't be flippant. This one is so important. Don't be flippant. This is from Proverbs 26, 18, and 19. It says, people who shrug off deliberate deceptions. And how many of you know people who've done this to you? People who shrug it off when they hurt you, when they deceived you, when they've offended you, and they say, I didn't really mean it, I was only joking. You know people like that? He says, those are worse than careless campers who walk away from smoldering campfires. The image of someone who knows they've just started a fire in a forest and are just going to walk away from it, knowing that that little thing that they started is going to turn into a blaze that's going to consume life. Because of flippancy. Because of this care, this attitude, oh, I don't care, it's no big deal, it's nothing. You know, it, flippancy is, is, a, is a disrespect for seriousness. And listen, in your relationships, in your friendships, your words matter. And can I say this just to be speaking bluntly to the parents in this room? Because parents like to say, when they speak of their kids, I'm not their friend, I'm their parent. Can I challenge you to reassess that thinking? When we think of, of how the book of Proverbs uh, speaks of a friend, speaks of a, of, a, of, a, of a deep, genuine friend one to another, part of a parent's essential role to their children is being their friend. And I've heard this excuse constantly to say, uh, to, to cover abusive language, you know, rough words that cut at a child's soul when the parent says, well, I'm not their friend, I'm their parent. Well, parent, hear me well. In the Bible, one of your roles to your child is friend. I'm not saying you have no boundaries and you let them do whatever or speak to you whatever. No, there's healthy boundaries that you establish with respect to authority. But one of the roles, the way biblical definitions of friendship are given is for a parent to be a friend to their child, a confidant. Your words matter. 
Words have power. They convey thoughts. They convey emotions. They convey feelings. And a parent who cuts their child and then just walks away, what you're doing is you've started a fire in the forest and you've left it to burn on its own. It's carelessness. It's disrespect for the seriousness at hand of being a true biblical friend. I told you, that's why I gave you the warning this morning, right? These things are going to hit you in the face. Allow these Proverbs to cut deep at you. What are the minds, as I've mentioned them, that you see reoccurring in your life that you keep falling into? Are you gossiping? Are you being flippant? Are you delaying care? Are you stuck in bitter cycles? These are the minds that will maim at least, if not kill, friendships. Listen, natural friendships are going to change over time, right? Friendships evolve, friendships change, um, but we need to do our best to avoid these minefields. We've got to do our best to not fall into these traps of, of, of things that destroy friendships. So let me end with this. This is the last point here, and I'm going to go through this one kind of quick. Uh, not only do we have to be wise with who we develop friendships with, we have to avoid foolishness. The last thing you need to do is spread godliness. Be the genuine friend that you also need others to be. You be the friend that you want other people to be to you. Tim Keller gives us the four attributes of true biblical friendships. True Biblical friendships, friendships that spread godliness, of you being the genuine friend that you want other people to be. So here are the four attributes of true friendship. The first one is constancy. Constancy. We get this from Proverbs 18.24. It says, There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. Constancy means that you're a dependable friend. That means that you're available, that you're faithful. It, it doesn't depend on how things are going, whether things are looking up or things are looking down, whether things are good or whether things are bad. The, the true sign of a real friend is a friend that's constant, of a friend that sticks closer than a brother, a, a friend who doesn't say, man, how much longer do I have to listen to this person? And we've all said that, right? It doesn't mean that you don't grow frustrated with friends. We all will do that. But a true friend never says, oh, how much longer do I have to hear this? Just, just stop talking. A good friend, a true friend, a biblical friend is constant. Good times, bad times, they're dependable, they're reliable, they're faithful, and you know they're going to be there for you. The second attribute is they're careful. They're careful friends. Proverbs 25, verse 17, and then verse 20 says, And when you find a friend, don't outwear your welcome. And show up at all hours, and he'll soon get fed up. Be careful. Don't consume your friends. Don't drown them. I told you these things were going to hit you. Verse 20 says, Singing light songs to the heavy-hearted is like pouring salt in their room. Hey, be aware. Be sensitive where your friends are at. Have some awareness. If your friend is struggling, if your friend is grieving, don't be all like, hey, what's going on, man? Yeah, let's go party. Woohoo, yeah, all right. You're being totally oblivious to where they're at. You're not being careful with them. Have sensitivity. Don't be flippant. Be mindful. Be 
careful. Listen, there's an emotional connection between friends and carefulness. Understanding. Read the room when you're around your friends. That matters. It's part of being selfless. Hey, you may be happy and things might be going great for you, but if your friend is struggling, be a little selfless. Read the room. Be careful and mourn with them. Weep with them. Pray with them. Encourage them. Lift them up. Be careful. The third trait is candor or honesty. Proverbs 27.6 says, The wounds from a sincere friend are better than the many kisses from the enemy. A lot of you love using that verse. That is your legal right away to... I'm just being a sincere friend. You're speaking the truth in love. They're speaking the truth and there's love. Make sure you equal the two in that when you speak the truth, you do it in love. But the wounds of a sincere friend are better than the many kisses from an enemy. And Proverbs 29.5 says, To flatter a friend is to lay a trap for their feet. So to flatter a friend, you know the guy is garbage for their life. But to say, oh, you two look so cute together. Oh, the homecoming outfits are just perfect. But you know that guy is trash for their life. You're just laying a trap for them. You're not being honest. Part of a true friend is to speak with candor, with speak with truth, even when it's difficult, even when it's painful. It's not being afraid to have the tough conversations because the tough conversations, it's what brings growth, it's what brings healing, and it's what brings faith. And a true friend will always tell you what you need to hear as opposed to what you want to hear. Flattery is saying what friends want to hear. And the last one, There's um, candor, there's carefulness, there's constancy. And the last one here from uh, Tim Keller is is counsel. Counsel. Proverbs 27.9 says, The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. One of the signs of a true friend is someone that you could go there with. You could be real with them. You're open to them. You share with them. There's this back and forth. It's what Proverbs says. This is the picture of iron sharpening iron, right? It's just not a one-sided relationship, but it's transactional. It's, it's, it's reciprocal. As I sharpen you, you sharpen me. And there's this free counsel that exchanges back and forth between these two friends. Why? Because there's openness. There's vulnerability. There's transparency there. And, and it, it allows people to get sharper. It allows people to make it through the challenges of life because they find affirmation there. They find even confrontation there. And it's not just one person using the other person. Like, I'm going to suck all the life out of you. I'm going to drain you and take everything that you could give and I'm going to take it from you, but I'm not going to give you anything in return. That's not a true friend. That's one person and sharpening themselves off your blade. But a true friendship is this dynamic, symbiotic relationship where there's mutual growth, mutual counsel, and it's a picture of God in the garden with Adam walking together through life, sojourning through life. So let these Proverbs cut you deep. 
It's hard to be constant in friendship. It's hard to be careful in friendship. It's hard to be candor, honest in friendship. It's hard to counsel in friendship. I know it's hard to do this, but when we're friends like this, we become more like Jesus. Jesus was constant. Jesus was careful. Jesus was honest. And Jesus gave counsel. When we're friends like this, we become the friends that we want others to be towards us. So be wise. This one slide here, all of this. Some of you are saying, I shouldn't have took all those pictures. I could have took all the pictures in one here. Be wise in who you build deep relationships with. Be wise. Avoid foolishness. Don't gossip. Don't hold on to bitterness. Don't delay care for your friends when you have it in your pocket today. And don't be flippant. But spread godliness. Be constant. Be careful. Have candor. Have honesty. And counsel one another. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the Lutheran priest who died in World War II, um, was always pushing back against Nazi Germany. He, he, he was spurred on. He was motivated to the very end of his life because he understood this idea, this spiritual practice of biblical friendship. And this is his quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He says, Christian brotherhood is not an ideal which we must realize. It's not a thought. It's not an ideology. It's not this abstract concept that we have to struggle to try to make a reality in our life. He's saying, it is rather a reality created by God in which we may participate. I love that. He's saying, let's not complicate this. True Christian brotherhood, sisterhood, family is not this thing that we must realize it's a reality. It's given to us. And it's our job to participate in it. Be wise in how you make your relationships. Avoid foolishness and spread godliness. Can we stand together?